0: Welcome to the Roto-World Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Alfieri, and joining me, as he does every week, is the senior editor and writer of Roto-World Hockey, Michael Finmax Michael, how's it going? Everything is great. Looking forward to the All-Star break. Okay, so I know we touched on this a little bit last week. No more breakaway challenge, which I know you weren't heartbroken over, but there's like this new challenge where, where all the teams kind of have to shoot the puck into specific areas of the net – uh, from different you know different distances like there's a blue line you have to shoot from the blue line from your own blue line from center ice and then uh, even goalies have an opportunity to shoot the puck in from the other the other end of the ice. Uh, your thoughts on the, like is this gonna make you watch on, on Saturday night this kills? Really? No are you
1: that's not really gonna make me watch. <laughs> you know I watch see the guys but I could care less about the you know they're all skilled. You know, they're all terrific hockey players, and they all have lots of skill. I remember uh, talking about Jay McClement went to a Brampton Battalion uh, practice when, when the uh, lockout, the last lockout occurred, and everyone was saying, yeah, oh, yeah, he's a fourth liner, and they saw what he could do with the puck. Like, they yeah. just way better than him. I mean, he's just a fourth liner in the NHL, and he was way
0: better than him, and they were just all in awe of his skill. So, I mean, they're all skilled. Do you have a, is there, when I say all-star game, is there one moment that kind of stands out for you? Maybe recent history or even, you know, earlier?
1: Well, I mean, seeing Gretzky score four, that, that, that was amazing. Um, you know, the all-star games, you you know, I, I mean, uh, I'm old. So, like, I remember when it was, the teams would play against the all-stars back in uh, the late 60s and that. Well, wow, you are old. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I mean, that was an all-star game because everyone played hard. You know, you didn't want, you you didn't want to lose. You were the all-stars and you wanted to beat the Stanley Cup champs. So those games meant something. And even, you know, later on when it was East against West, it was a a good hockey game. Now everyone's friendly. It's a skills competition. Um, I feel sorry for the goalies. Um, You know, it's, 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 it celebrates the NHL, but it's not, I mean, it's really been a lot better with the three on three, because that's exciting.
0: Yeah, I was actually reading an article uh, on USA Today um, about how uh, Sam Flood, the uh, executive uh, producer of uh, NBC, was saying when he left the All-Star game last year, there was one player uh, whose team got eliminated from the three-on-three tournament uh, who was really upset that his team wasn't playing in the championship. And to me, I, I think the thing that stands out about that is if the players are upset and the players care, it makes it... A better, you know, it makes it better for TV. Oh, for sure, so it's good. It's good. I like the three-on-three tournament. Uh, obviously, there's the John Scott angle. Uh, last year, we won't have that this year, but still, I think with this new um, or tweaked skills competition, uh, where the goalies uh, can try to score, uh, can try to score a goal, I think that's going to get a few uh, eyeballs back on uh, back on the game. But uh, Michael, enough uh, about the All Star Game. Uh, let's just uh, get into a fantasy. I know we're a little bit past the midway point of the season. Uh, but we will touch on, I guess, uh, Midway uh, Fantasy uh, Award winners uh, just in your eyes and in my eyes. But uh, before we do that, uh, let's just look back at some players um, who returned from injury uh, since we last spoke last week. Uh, P.K. Subban, Nashville Predators, um, obviously doesn't look like he's going to be able to have the type of season he wanted, a first year in Nashville, uh, but he's back and... That's big because, uh, like we always mentioned, finding defensemen that can score is pretty difficult. So when you get one guy who can eat a ton of minutes uh, and who can who's proven to be a, a point producer, uh, that's obviously huge for the Predators and hu- obviously huge for fantasy owners.
1: Oh, for sure. I'd be all over him next year in a draft. Uh, I find that a lot of players have difficulty their first year in a new city because they're trying to do too much for whatever reason. But second year, they tend... to to play like they're supposed to play and he's one guy who's probably going to be a little bit people are going to be a little bit shy about taking him just because of the poor year he had and the injuries he's had but i'd be all over him next year and you're going to get him and you're going to be very happy i think
0: yeah and it's not exactly surprising uh, to see this i mean everyone obviously expected pk suman to have a great year now injuries is a part of that like you mentioned new city is a part of that but just when you look at the trade and how much he loved being in Montreal. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that there had to be a little heartbreak there, and maybe it's only normal, you know. Obviously, hindsight being 2020, but maybe it's only normal that the production and and just the the overall play uh, came down a notch uh, in 2016, 17. But still, I mean, he's got the the All Star break now. He's going to be going. Uh, he's going to have uh, you know some fresh legs coming out of the break. Uh, so it should be uh, should be interesting. Uh, to see uh, what happens there. And also, Patrick Line uh, came back on Tuesday night, picked up an assist and a loss to the Sharks. Uh, obviously, huge for the Jets to get him back.
1: Oh, well, definitely. Uh, I mean, he's turned, he and Shifley are the face of the franchise right now. Uh, there's there's so much young talent in Winnipeg, and Liney and Shifley are right at the top of that. But they've got a lot of players in the system. You know, I, I'm very surprised at how poor they've played this year. Um, or the lack of points in the standings because one one day they're just going to break out and uh, watch out NHL because, again, there's a lot of talent. Uh, I mean, they're, they're very desperate, too, if they had to call up Pavlik because they weren't getting proper goaltending. But, I mean, Pavlik's had a nice week, week and a bit. But, you know, they their future is Connor Helleback. And, you know, this just sort of goes over the situation where they're putting a Band-Aid over by playing Pavlik. They got to play hella back, see what they have. I think he's the real thing. I think he's their goalie of the future. But, you know, I mean, it's not up to me. The the Jets have to find out for themselves. But they really have to play hella back and see what he can do.
0: So is there any way that you can envision, you know, Lina missed a bunch of games here because of this concussion. Is there any way you can envision him getting back in that Calder trophy race? Or is it too late?
1: Damage done? Oh, not at all. He's one point behind Marner. He's tied with Austin Matthews. I mean, he's right there in, in points and, and goals. So he's right in the mix of it. It's it's just, uh, you know, too bad that he missed all these games. And, you know, again, he could have slumped. This could be the best thing for him. You know, he got a he got a big break in the middle of the season where he can rejuvenate himself. And, you know, you blame it on injury rather than a slump and it, it, you know maybe that was the wall that he would have hit that he doesn't have to hit because he's been rejuvenated so
0: yep sorry about that
1: oh i think that can help him rather than hinder him in a calder race
0: you're listening to the roto world hockey podcast with uh, joey alfieri and michael Finewax. you can follow us on twitter at joey alfieri at m Finewax hockey and at roto world underscore hk for all your latest fantasy hockey news um, so Michael, if we can move on, we, we, we hinted at it, we're going to talk about our uh, fantasy award winners, midseason fantasy award winners, and uh, I'm not sure how you'd like to break it down, I just thought we can go by maybe by position, uh, we can go with a forward, a defenseman, uh, and a goalie, and then pull a, a rookie out there and just go with an MVP, but uh, I think we're going to have, you know, every time we discuss these potential awards, we end up, uh, having a little bit of a discrepancy, when, uh, we never we never seem to agree, which makes for some uh, for some good uh, podcast material, I guess. So uh, let's start with a forward. Um, if you're looking at the forward, who's the fantasy MVP uh, for the first half of the year? Uh, who would you go with?
1: Uh, Evgeny Malkin. No ifs, ands, or buts. He does everything so well. He's got penalty minutes. He's got power play goals. He's tied for second in scoring. Uh, good plus minus. He, he's the guy.
0: See, again, I think Crosby missing a few games obviously impacts the overall numbers. But I think if you're just looking at the first half of the year, considering the fact that he did miss some games, uh, it's hard to argue with Sidney Crosby, who's closing in on 30 goals already this year. Maybe he gets it. Maybe he gets it before the All-Star break. uh, But uh, I really appreciated what Sidney Crosby has done. And obviously, I mean, Connor McDavid uh, is, is right up there as well. It'll be interesting to see... Uh, because you know with Connor McDavid, I mean people forget like he was great last year too, Michael, but obviously the clavicle injury kept him out for a while. So like you were just mentioning with line a, uh, maybe he didn't necessarily hit that wall as a rookie because he missed so many games and he was fresher down the stretch. but I just wonder in the second half of the year, do you think the the wear and tear of a full NHL season affects Connor McDavid at all? or is he just too good for that?
1: <laughs> i I don't think it'll affect him um. I mean he's special, and you know he's leading the NHL in points by two over Crosby and Malkin. He's just a special hockey player. He loves playing. He loves being on the ice. Um, I don't. I don't think he's going to hit a wall. I think he's going to continue. Whether other guys pass him or not is is still up in the air. But you know he's the type of talent and the type of player you, you, you never have to worry about. He's a generational player, like we've said before.
0: Um, when it comes to defensemen, I I'd be very surprised if we di- if we disagree here, uh, Michael. So, uh, in your eyes, the top fantasy defenseman in the first half of the season?
1: Oh, Brett Burns. He's uh, he's yeah. the most valuable fantasy player in the league right now. He's just so heads and shoulders above everybody. That, you know, for a defenseman to have 21 goals, he's tied for seventh in the league in score in goals. He's fourth in the league in points. I, I mean, that's Bobby Orr. And when you're comparing him to somebody to Bobby Orr, you know, that's about as high a price as you can get.
0: And the thing is, you look at it as of right now, it's like plus 16. There's 18 penalty minutes as well. So, he's you know, he's not a choir boy. Uh, You've got power play goals, power play points. uh, The ice time, obviously, there he plays uh, almost 25 minutes a night. I mean, there's just – there's no disputing it, right? And maybe if P.K. Subban was healthy, playing under Peter LaViolette and being, uh, you know, 100% comfortable – uh, in his new environment, maybe PK maybe gives him a run for his money next year. But as of right now, I really I really just can't see uh, no. anybody coming close to Brent Burns at this point.
1: No, no, no. 21 goals a little past halfway through the season. You know, if a defenseman scores 21 goals in the whole season, that's a fantastic year. You know, maybe yeah. one or two guys do that. You know, like what he, what he's doing is just off the chart right now.
0: Uh, if we look at the goalies, I know we've disputed this one before, but fantasy the top fantasy goalie from the first half of the year in your eyes, Michael? Well,
1: um, you're going to be surprised with who I say, but it's uh Devin Dubnik. Uh, I think he surpassed uh Bobrovsky. Uh, you know, you're talking about two of the best te- the two best teams in the league. They both have outstanding goaltending, and well Bobrovsky has two more wins. Everything else that it goes in favor of Dubnik, and you, know, you can't do anything about wins because that's a team thing. I mean, all the stats are team things, but, you know, he's the guy right now. He, he's got a, just a slight lead over Bobrovsky.
0: Yeah, you know what, and I, I'm still not dismissing Bobrovsky. I think when it comes to fantasy as well, the main stat is technically winning. Uh, Bobrovsky has two more wins, but, I mean, he's played a game more, or he's made one more appearance and one more start uh, than, uh, than Dubnik. Obviously, uh, the Jackets have quieted down a little bit. Uh, but for the first half, I've give, I'll give it to Bobrovsky. But really, I think with the way things have gone here, just uh, going into the All-Star break, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Dubnik uh, pulls away. And he pulls away probably not just with our uh, final uh, top goalie, you know, for a fantasy goalie at the end of the season. But if he walks away with that Vesna trophy, it wouldn't be very surprising. Uh, currently has the best goals against average in the league. For starters, the best safe percentage in the league. So uh, definitely... Not not necessarily uh, too difficult of a call there. Uh, and if we can, uh, if I can ask you for your rookie, this is this is what I'm interested. in. I want to see if you've joined me on the bandwagon here, Michael.
1: Well, I'm gonna go off the chart here, and I'm gonna go with Austin Matthews.
0: That's not off the chart.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I, right now Matthews, it's not head and shoulders above everyone because he's actually been passed by teammate Mitch Marner in points, but. Mar- Matthews does so many things so well <clears throat> that if you watch him play, and I'm sure you have, he's just a phenomenon to watch. You know, it's such a great rookie class. It's unbelievable. I don't know if we if we've seen the likes of this since about '79, but this rookie class is unbelievable.
0: '79. Yeah, Michael, you're talking you're talking to me about '60s All Star games, '79 rookie classes. I'm confused.
1: No, I'm just saying this is the best rookie class since 79. This, this, is, this is just the, uh, you know, I mean, I have to go back to let you know how good the rookie's class is, what, was in 79. But uh, th- this is a phenomenal class. You know, you've got guys like Wierenski, n- never mind Linehan, and Marner and, and Matthews. you got Wierenski, you've got Provorov. I- I- I'm sure, I mean, there's Nylander. There's just so many good rookies right now in the NHL. There's Jimmy Vesey. There's just so many good rookies in the NHL right now. And when you look back at this rookie class, everyone's going to say that
0: 2017
1: was one of the best years of all time.
0: Uh, and uh, I guess maybe if we can touch on a couple surprises uh, as well. I think the biggest surprise in my eyes, still Cam Atkinson at this point, he's going at just uh, just under a, cl- a point per game clip. But I think Connor Sheary is another guy who named the first star of the week last week. You had mentioned him a couple of weeks before uh, as he started to play with Sidney Crosby and uh, Brian Rust. But those two guys have to be in contention for uh, the top sleeper maybe of uh, of 2016-17.
1: Yeah, I'll even throw another name out there, Michael Grabner, who who has 21 goals, leads the NHL with 20 even strength goals. I mean, talk about coming out of nowhere. He had 34 goals as a rookie in 2009-10. And really has done nothing since then. He, he's been on a downward slope, like a downhill skier. And then all of a sudden, he goes to New York. Um, I, You know, I read where Mike Babcock, the Rangers, played the Leafs, and that's who he, he played for the Leafs last year, was saying he always had the speed. He, you know, he just didn't get the breaks. He was always a real good hockey player. And now you just watch him play. I mean, he gets a seems like a breakaway every game. And he's playing... Bottom as a bottom six forward, they're getting the amazing production out of him. Not yeah, that you go, yeah. Not that you go wrong with Cam Atkinson, because <laughs> he's having a spectacular year too. But he had 52 points last year. You know, he's he's on on pace for like an 80 point season, which is a huge jump, but not like as big a surprise as Michael Grabner, in my opinion.
0: And and another thing, Michael, I know Grabner not a ton of assists. This year, I think he has eight assists in 47 games. But uh, right. one area where he's just absolutely phenomenal—you mentioned, you alluded to it with the even strength goals—but plus 23 is, is, you know, and I know some people think that the plus minus is is outdated and it's silly, and but I still look at it. And fantasy owners, there's a lot of leagues there that count plus minus. Uh, and you know, I know you and I were talking about it before we got on here uh, about the plus minus and and some trends that you've noticed in plus minus. Uh, maybe just talk to me a little bit about Grabner's plus-minus and, and just how impressive that is at plus-23 and what you've noticed overall with the plus-minus.
1: Well, y- usually you get a, all your plus-minus guys are on the best teams. So Minnesota has five of the top seven guys, which doesn't, isn't surprising. Columbus has a guy in there. But the biggest surprise at plus-20 is Dennis Seidenberg, a defenseman with the Islanders, one of the worst teams in the NHL. Uh, he, he got He was hurt for a while. And they obviously really missed him. And he's come back. He was plus 14 before he got hurt. He's been plus since, since he's come back. And, I mean, that's I looked at that, and I see that as, as a huge surprise. And it doesn't make any sense because they had a lot of minus players on the island. But, uh, well, I guess technically they're in Brooklyn now. But, they're, they, you know, that's just an unbelievable stat that a guy on the New York Islanders is a plus 20 at this stage of the season.
0: See, and I don't and I don't know if you agree with me because there are a lot of people who make the argument that plus minus is so outdated. And I'll, and I'll say this. This is how I've always looked at plus minus, not just in the last couple of years, but, you know, since I started watching hockey. Is that having a high plus minus doesn't necessarily tell me anything about how good you are defensively or how responsible you are. You know, I, I remember uh, back in the day you know, when the Detroit Red Wings were a powerhouse in the late 90s, early 2000s, everybody was like plus 20 plus 30 plus 40 on that team you know but that doesn't necessarily tell me anything but if you're on a team filled with minuses and you manage to be like that plus two or plus three after 82 games that's when i think you know it's not necessarily a coincidence that you're always on the ice for your teams you know for when your team scores and when the opposition doesn't score on you five on five so I don't know how you look at plus minus, Michael, if you maybe just look at the highest guys. But for me, that's how I look at it. Just because you're a plus 50 on a team that's outstanding doesn't make you great. But if you're a plus plus two, three, four, five on a team that's just littered with minuses like Seidenberg is, I mean, that tells me you're playing pretty well.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, on a great team, everyone should have a really good plus minus. So if you don't, I mean, I would look at it that way if you don't have a good plus minus something's wrong but and the exact opposite when you're on a bad team and you have a good plus minus it means something because you know you're getting killed on the score sheet and you keep getting on you keep being on the ice when your team is scoring and the other team's not uh that means something uh again i agree with you it's uh I don't know if it's outdated, or you have to take it with a grain of salt when you see plus-minus because good teams are going to have good plus-minuses, bad teams are going to have bad plus-minuses.
0: Of course, most definitely, and, and I don't—I don't think it's a tell-all stat. That's no, that's all else, I agree. You're listening to the Roto World Hockey Podcast with Joey Alfieri and Michael Finewax. You can follow us on Twitter at Joey Alfieri at MFinewax Hockey or at RotoWorld underscore HK. Uh, Michael, a long slump came to an end on Tuesday night. I know a lot of fantasy owners were excited. The ones that rolled the dice on uh, David Pasternak maybe a little later uh, on in the draft at the beginning of the season uh, were really happy with the production early on. But finally, he scored a huge OT winner against the Red Wings uh, that uh, pretty much put an end to his 17-game goalless drought. I know things are crazy in Boston. It's a little hectic right now. Uh, Claude Julien on the hot seat. But I think there's some fantasy owners um, who are hoping that this kind of turns things around for uh, for the young sniper.
1: Oh, the, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, he's a good buy-low candidate now. Uh, if Fantasy owners are, are a funny bunch because they jump on and off the bandwagon so much. You know, you figure that they fill the hospitals with broken legs. Uh, they, you know, it's the flavor of the day. It's the flavor of the week, it's the flavor of the month. And Pasternak was the flavor of the week and the month early on, and then he just, everyone just fell out of love with him. So if you're, if you, I've always said this, when you're playing fantasy, never panic. Guys go through slumps, guy goes through hot streaks. There's nothing you can do about it. You got to live with the slumps, and you got to be very happy when they're hot. And that's how you play fantasy, and that's how you win Fantasy. So if you got to have a really good player, like a Pashnak who's going through a slump and he's on somebody else's team, you grab him. You try to make a trade for him because the other guy, chances are, hasn't fallen, has fallen out of love with him and he'll, you know, he'll, you'll get somebody who, you'll trade somebody who's the flavor of the week, who you know is half the player he is, but he's, you know, maybe he's had two goals and three assists in the last three weeks. And this guy's all over him because he figures Pasternak will never get back his scoring touch.
0: And the thing is, Michael, you just look at it, and and a lot of sophomore players, you know, second-year guys, come in and they struggle. And it happens every single year where a guy who really impressed in his rookie year comes in and struggles. Or even in a case like Pasternak where guys, you know, you start filling up the net more than people are used to seeing, and all of a sudden the opposition is going to key in. And, you know, then – it's up to Pasternak and the Bruins to adjust to put him in positions where, you know, he's going to be a guy who who can produce again. And you've seen that a ton. So I think maybe now uh, now that the monkey's off his back, I think he'll start trending back in the right direction. I don't know if he's going to be as hot or I wouldn't expect him to be as hot as he was coming out of the gate in October. But still, I think he provides you um, with uh, some uh, very nice fantasy value. Uh, Speaking of sophomore players who are uh, slumping a little bit, Anthony Duclair uh, scored twenty goals last year, Michael, for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, he's also had some some success uh, in the obviously in the junior ranks and whatnot. He's always been a scorer, always, always been an offensive player. This year, it's really difficult. Arizona sent him down to the minors. Look, there's there's only so yeah. much racetrack left. Is it too late to salvage his his year, his 2016-17 campaign? Well, it's not
1: too late, but you know you have to wonder how he takes going down to the minors and whether he's a worker or he's not a worker and you you'll see and you can't even go by results what happens in the minor leagues because some guys can dominate and they get bored or you know but it's it's all about the work work ethic um you know the best example over the last couple years about a guy having a great season as a rookie and then slumping is Nathan McKinnon he was the first overall pick had a great rookie year won the Calder and the next year had a horrible year um you know he's bounced back somewhat and You know, the Avs are talking about rebuilding, and the guy they want to rebuild around is Nathan McKinnon. So, you know, lots of guys have trouble their second year in the league. It's just that's the way the game is. You know, other teams learn how to play them, and then they have to adjust. And the adjustments don't always come quickly. So as far as Anthony Duclair is concerned, yeah, you know what, probably it's been a lost year for him, but if he can learn from it, and maybe become a better player. Maybe it's all worth it in the end, because it's not like the Coyotes are going anywhere this year, anyway.
0: Uh, Michael, I saw an interesting stat uh, up uh, while I was on uh, when I was on the desk for uh, Roto World. Uh, if we can stick out west, and this this stat really caught me off guard. So it's about the Dallas Stars who have really struggled this year, and many people expected them to be, you know, uh, in the discussion for a, a long playoff run, but Jamie Benn, Tyler Seguin, Jason Spezza scored 107 goals combined last year. This year, they're on pace to hit around 60. So, as much as we like to talk about the goalies, the defense in Dallas, the main players just haven't necessarily gotten it done as a trio.
1: No, and and that's why they went from the best scoring team to the 17th best scoring team right now. Uh, they're they're not playing good hockey, and I think the whole the whole team is. In a slump, uh, I really don't think Lindy Ruff will be back, because I think they'll go in a new direction, and we'll see what a new coach is. If that's the, the decision the Stars make, we'll see what a new coach is able to do. But again, you know, guys have off years, and if everyone has on your team has an off year, just makes it hard
0: it does uh, but at the same time I think with Spezza I think the season he had last year I think he hit 30 goals last year mm-hmm. and and that caught a lot of people off guard including myself because I, I always liked Jason Spezza as a point producer uh, very good setup guy I thought his days of hitting 30 goals were behind him once he left Ottawa you know he's gotten past 30 years old now but you know he, he's he was very good and he caught a lot of people off guard so I just wonder maybe you know he came down to earth maybe a little more than people expected but still I'm expecting coming out of this break I'm expecting Sege and Ben to really amp it up I mean those are guys you're talking about guys who went in the first two rounds maybe even both of them went in the first rounds in some drafts so these are two guys that you don't necessarily throw the towel in but they need to step it up they need to have huge second halves of the of the season
1: yeah I agree you know they've had the proven track records in the past and they've been like top stars but this year they just haven't been doing it and obviously those things happen and that's how you lose a draft or how you lose a pool and picking guys up at the end who have spectacular layers, like a michael gravner or grab them off the waiver the waiver wire that's how you win pools but i mean it's i expect them to ramp it up too but you again you never know you know, maybe Dallas throws in the towel, makes a bunch of trades, and these guys just lose interest until next year.
0: We spoke about this last week, Michael. About uh, we we came out of the gate last week firing about different goalies, um, and who were struggling and guys who were good. One of the guys who was struggling, Henrik Lundqvist. Boy, what a difference a week makes. Uh, he had a solid performance uh, after we spoke on the podcast against Toronto, but he was he didn't have to be spectacular. He was excellent on Sunday in a one nothing overtime win over the Red Wings. And then they followed that up by putting him in uh, in goal back-to-back nights uh, against the uh, Los Angeles Kings, uh, another game the the, uh, the Rangers won. And he was stellar in that game as well. Are we confident now that King Henrik is back, the fantasy stock is, is going to level out and everything's going to be good?
1: I think so. Uh, I mean, the only reason he played back-to-back is Ranta's is hurt. So they really don't want to go to their are other goalie, but you know what? He proved himself. He he won back-to-back games. He's won three in a row. Uh, yeah, I'd I I'd be all in on Lundqvist the rest of the way. Um, I don't know how much Ranta will play once he gets back. Probably play a little more than he has in the past because they want to rest Lunquist for the playoffs. But the king is the king. Long live the king.
0: How much of All-Star Weekend, if you had to put it into minutes and hours, how much are you planning on watching?
1: Well, I'll watch the game, I'll have one eye on the game, but, uh, you know, it it doesn't mean anything. It's not like I'm in an all-star fantasy pool. So I don't think I'll, you know, I'll keep an eye on it, but, you know, it's just, it's just a weekend.
0: Have you ever heard of an all-star fantasy pool? Because I have to be honest with you, I don't think I have.
1: No, really, I haven't.
0: I think you might have a problem if you're in a fantasy pool that with for the all-star game. I think that might be a little too obsessive.
1: I, I agree with you. <laughs>
0: All right, Michael, thanks for doing this. Uh, it's always fun catching up with you talking fantasy hockey.
1: We'll see you next week.
0: You're listening to the Roto-World Hockey Podcast with Joey Alfieri and Michael Finewax. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, at Joey Alfieri, at M Hockey, and at Roto-World underscore HK. Please, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast uh, on iTunes. Uh, you can also find a bunch of different ways to subscribe on uh, rotoworld.com when we post uh, the podcast. Enjoy the All-Star Game, everybody. We'll catch up with you next week.